Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this beautiful, amazing, amazing day? Um, I hope wherever you are, you are able to take a deep breath, feel alive, and appreciate that we are here in this moment. So my friends, I have a guest today. You may have heard her on a way, 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 way back episode early on in the life of this podcast, but she is here again to grace us with her presence. She is one of my friends. She's an editor. She is a writer extraordinaire, a fellow Filipina exploring Catholicism <laughs> in ways that we're, we're not too sure yet, but maybe we'll talk about it. So I just want to welcome to the show, Lisa Factor Portes. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to have you here again. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yeah. It's an honor. You are one of the people who gets what I'm trying to do and it gets me where it comes to like, what's, what's happening spiritually? What, what? <laughs> so I appreciate you and I appreciate you being here today. Um, so we're going to start our, our podcast episode with a poem by Hafez from the gift. And, um, we're going to just flip through roulette style to see what Oracle of the poem comes forward. And today it's called, I want both of us. I want both of us to start talking about this great love, as if you, I, and the son were all married and living in a tiny room, helping each other to cook, do the wash, weave, and sew, care for our beautiful animals. We all leave each morning to labor on the earth's field. No one does not lift a great pack. I want both of us to start singing like two traveling minstrels about this extraordinary existence we share, as if you, I, and God were all married and living in a tiny room. Hmm. What are some thoughts that come forward for you in this poem? The word integration came through. Hmm. Um the hoping and the yearning and almost the um, there was a playful kind of as if you, me and God are one when, and I think a lot of spiritual traditions, um, the belief is that we are one, um, you know, at least in Catholicism, the Trinity mm-hmm. is the, the heart of the mystery of, of three in one. 
Um, so that that's an interesting parallel. Um, but yeah, I'm also in a season of integration of, of bringing all things together against the illusion of fragmentation or separateness. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was, that's where my mind went. Yeah. What, what I, um, what jumped out for me was this, I want both of us to start talking about this great love and to think about that oneness and how great that love is. And I feel like, especially now this idea of love gets sort of put aside where it's like, okay, we want, I don't know about you, but like what I see a lot of is like, we need to be mindful. Let's be mindful. Let's be mindful, aware, aware, you know, be present in the moment. It's like all these things, but then love doesn't really come into the conversation as frequently or as, or as spotlighted as greatly as I would like it to be, but maybe that's just my circle of vision. I don't know. What is, what has it been for you? I think that's really interesting. I think, um, well, I've thought this like for many years, but I've been thinking about it um, in the last few years, especially as I've been getting older um, and gracefully aging into my forties. It's just the, the way that as you get older, you know that the way that you're introduced to concepts of love um, are deconstructed and expanded. Um, But there really is no map for learning how to love throughout your life. Um, The life journey of discovering, remaking love, um, I think for me is what's jumping out of like, I, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of I think that there's a lot of reluctance to admit how much we don't know still about how to love self and other. Yeah. There's a lot there. So, so do you think that that reluctance or that, that reluctance to admit how much we don't know is a subconscious thing where we're directing towards what we can hold, what can be tangible? Like, Oh, I can meditate. I can sit down and like go within and, you know, I can be aware of how I respond to people who might cut me off in traffic, but is, you know, is that it, you know, I feel like when, when, especially spiritual teachers talk about these things, it's like, yeah, that's cool. I can notice my patterns. I can try to rechain, like re rehabilitate my, my patterns, but where does the love fit in? You know, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm sort of just throwing that out there because I feel like that doesn't come into conversation as much. I think, I think it's a point that um, is very versatile and is for me, the way I'm hearing it is going both ways. In Mm -hmm. one sense, you can answer, well, not answer. You didn't ask a question, but I mean, (laughs) respond to it. Like the way that I heard it as well, everything is love, you know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) everything that you do in the name of love is love but I think what you're getting at is that a much deeper inquiry into well if everything is love and everything that you do is love then well what's love and what's the utility what's the function what's the what's the identifier of love how do you know if you're doing it 
Um, and I, on, I honestly, I've been thinking, <laughs> thinking about this, like my partner and I, we've been together for like 20 years, married for 17. I've been a parent for like almost 12 years now. And I'm thinking on all, all the time, like, is this love? Like, am I loving them? Right. Am I loving, hmm. or am I just like trying to survive and like not be cruel? Am I being enough? Am I doing enough? Is this love? Am I being a good love example? Hmm. So no answers. I'm like, all of the above. (laughs) But but it's the ultimate mystery of like, how do you know when you are truly loving, truly loving? Um, And at the same Mm. time, everything that you do always, you know, is in the spirit of love. That is enough. But you also have to have the tension of like challenging yourself because love is not convenient. It is not like, it isn't always feeling good. It is not always the easiest path. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. I didn't think we were going to dive into the topic of love. (laughs) That was quite a by accident. I kind of just tripped in there. I was like, oh, whoops. (laughs) We're like five minutes in. What is love? What is love? What is love? How do you know? Like that song, right? (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) Don't hurt me. No No more. more. Um, yeah, but, but it's so funny because I say this, I say this a lot, um, where I'm like, you are love made manifest, you know, and and if you stop and think about it, you're like, what the heck does that even mean? Right. So I think about like our divine light, the, the essence of us, when we, when we put our ego on the shelf, if we can, when we really dive deep within, you know, and you, and you know, that there's that little spark in you, like, I feel that that is love right? As, as a source, as an entity. But then the question that, that comes forward is how is that being expressed? You know, how is that showing Mm -hmm. up in the physical world when you are interacting with the people in your life? You know, I mean, you're asking questions like, is, am I loving enough? Or is this right? Or whatever, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but right. Quote unquote. Um, And those are questions that sound like they're coming from the ego because the divine self is like, we're just doing our thing. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of ruminating out loud and. No, I hear that. I'm just deep in thought. Yeah. (laughs) I, 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 I love that you brought up, um, the ego because I think that, um, kind of circling back to your, to your original point. Um, I'm not saying that, there should be a hierarchy of things in terms of awareness or mm-hmm. I do yoga. Therefore I am aware. Like I'm, I'm not right. saying, and I'm not making an equative equative. I mean, that's a word. I'm not making equations of if you do this, therefore you must do this. And right. I'm certainly not saying that there's a hierarchy of you have to do this in order to be something. But I think that there's a real genuine point inside of where like, what is the ideology of like what you're doing? And, you know, Mm -hmm. where are these like questions or doubts or insecurities or the inquiry? Like, where is it coming from? Um, I would, from another arm, agree with what you're saying of when I have doubts about whether I'm loving enough, that is probably coming from a place of insecurity. And Mm -hmm. if I trace that insecurity back to somewhere, that's probably something, you know, embedded deep within me um, that hasn't to do with my partner or my children that has to do with something with me that I've either not addressed or fully 
healed from, or I need to take a deeper look at. Right, right. And, and not just you, but, and whatever you've inherited, right? Thinking and thinking about, you know, generational Mm. stories, you know, I, I was going to say trauma, but it's not necessarily always trauma. It could just be the stories that we tell ourselves, the beliefs that we've inherited. Um, and we say generational, it's not just like our parents or our grandparents, it goes way back, you know? Yeah. And so thinking about that, how, how does that play a role in who you're, who you are being like you yourself when when in relationship of, of this idea of love and creating love and expressing love. Um, yeah. Just what's the, how to, are you aware that generational stories are at play? I think that was one of the biggest epiphanies of 2020 that I had. Um, I was in conversation with a practicing psychologist, a clinical psychologist. We were putting together a healing justice circle for one of the Asian American groups um, that I'm, you know, volunteering with and I'm in community with. And we're trying to put together a healing justice circle after the Atlanta shootings Mm. Um, and also just in general, because 2020 was so intense And one of the things that we talked about was intergenerational trauma. And I had not at that point um, read theory or read enough about it, but I just had this like gut level, almost like ancestral, like pinch that was like, is it really trauma that you're talking about? And I said, is it possible that there's like intergenerational abundance, you know, like it's not just about, um, you know, the, the colonization, it's not just about what was taken what was mm-hmm. stolen, what was eradicated. And then after I, you know, started working and thinking and ruminating about that, I found much more, you know, obviously there's a whole, not just scholarship, but bodies of work and wisdom around um, the the flip side of, of trauma that yes, yeah. there is suffering, but that we inherit strength. I think um, mm-hmm. there have been um, more, uh, you know, terms coined like intergenerational bravery, um, that came from a, a Pinai sociologist, um, which I'll remember in a moment, but her name is slipping me. But, um, you know, I think that the idea is that the deeper that you look into your ancestry, you will see both, you know, yeah. in the form of stories. And I think that that is a really wonderful way to encapsulate both is just to talk about the the story, the living history that you are, yeah. um, the way that you are naturally contributing to the the story of your lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more aware of it now than I ever have been. And I found that the benefit is I give myself so much more grace um, mm. than I ever have in my life. Mm. And it's not just a relief, but it, it, it truly makes me happier. It gives me permission to be yeah. imperfect. Um, I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of Catholic Pinai struggle with um, binaries of good and bad um, Mm -hmm. and ideas of purity and perfectionism. I'm definitely one of them. And the more that I study ancestry, the more that I study, not just like blood lineage, but stories that I'm rooted to um, in terms of indigeneity, 
Yeah. There's just, it's just a fuller permission to be abundant, to be um, experimental and what you try with your life. Yeah. And to not be afraid. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like, there's evidence, right. To say, Hey, folks before you, like way before you endured these challenges, these obstacles, and they thrived, you know, and that, and it's like, Oh, they did that. They survived. I mean, I feel like, and I don't know where I read this or, or heard this, but, um, there, there was some, some thing that I saw, it was like, your ancestors work so hard for you to get to where you are right now. Oh. Yeah. To say, Hey, you know what? We survived so that you could accomplish this thing so that you can break the cycle. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so beautiful because there's also like continuity and there's, mm-hmm. all, well, I see this as a good thing because yeah. I struggle hardcore with, um, issues of mortality, but it's helping me accept mortality more, mm. um, in trusting in the ancestral presence yeah. and the promise of being a good ancestor. Um, yeah, you know, the, the life that we know I come to believe continues just in a different form. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, um, my oldest is a junior in high school and she had biology as her science subject last year. And I want to even say that my, my middle kid who was in seventh grade last year learned this in her science class, that energy doesn't die. They're teaching this in the schools. Mm -hmm. Energy doesn't die. Right. And so if you Mm -hmm. think about that at a scientific level, when a body, a person's body dies, their energy goes somewhere. We don't know where it goes, but it doesn't die. And so in thinking about that, and, hmm. and laying all of the, the sort of um, spiritual stories, the religious stories of reincarnation or going to heaven or hell, you know, that's, that's sort of our, our human ego brain way of continuing the narrative, like explaining where the energy goes mm. if energy doesn't die. Mm. I always thought that was cool. That's so hopeful and beautiful yeah. and scientifically yeah. poetic or poetically scientific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> both. <it's> both. <laughs> um, oh, and I did want to give um, proper credit to Dr. Valerie Francisco Menchavez. Mm. She's um, an associate professor in the Department of Sociology and Sexuality Studies at San Francisco State University. And oh, I was cool. listening to her on a different podcast, Filipina yeah. on the Rise. Um, and she was talking about this concept of inter- intergenerational bravery. So, oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah. And I, and, and so in, in sort of tying with that and thinking if energy doesn't die after we die, right. So thinking about our ancestors, how, when they pass on, they're not only passing on their stories, right. Through mm-hmm. oral tradition, but also their energy, like the energetics of being brave, of surviving, of thriving, of, Mm -hmm. you know, even the traumas and the abundance and how that is passed down through each human form of our lineage. You know, they're doing scientific studies now, about epigenetics, right. And they're talking about how trauma can be passed on genetically, but why let's look at the flip side of that, how abundance and thriving and celebration can also be passed along that genetic lineage 
Well, 100%. I mean, it makes so much sense, right? It, it seems like so obvious, but it's hard to recognize because I think that we're so um, trained to first think of trauma or the suffering or the bad or the hard first. But doesn't that make so much sense that in order to survive some of the things that people in our background have survived, uh, specifically, I wanted to um, start a project looking at um, all the descendants of uh, the death march of mm. the, of the of all of the the descendants of the grandfathers of the Bataan, mm-hmm. and um, there had to have been or there has to be, I should say, present tense, mm-hmm. there has to be something within this idea of absconding, fleeing, surviving, hiding mm-hmm. under such intense, unthinkable torture. Yeah. And the fact that many of us and many Filipino writers are descendants of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There has to be like a genius embedded inside of that. It's not just about the trauma, but yeah. all of the things that n- our ancestors used in order to navigate unthinkable situations, mm-hmm. unthinkable to us yeah. in our current moment. Right. We're imbued with that too. Yeah, totally. But I think that there's extraction work um, mm. that needs to be done and a bit of translation of like, what does that mean? What does that mean to be infused with that energy? What does that mean to be handed down? Um, not just trauma, but also gifts, also abundance. Yeah. Um, like, what does all of that mean? Yeah. But also how can we take what is useful and leave the rest? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how can we, how can we carry the gifts that we've inherited whether it's actual gifts, like, Hey, I can draw, you know, cartoon character, whatever, or Mm -hmm. energetic gifts of like, I'm always seeing the positive and, you know, attracting abundance. Um, How can we carry that through while also acknowledging the trauma, working to heal it and transmute it into something that can help elevate? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I think, part of the work that we have um, like, you know, our, our grandparents, like, I don't, you know, my grandfather was a survivor of the Bataan death march and it's like, okay, he survived, you know, he, he was resourceful. He, he made it through. Um, and the experiences that he had were then passed down to how he raised my dad, mm-hmm. which then his, my dad's experience was then passed down to me. You know, Mm -hmm. and this is just the very physical, real experience, but energetically, can we, as the people that we are now work, do that work of extraction, you know, to, to Mm -hmm. gather up the, the light while acknowledging the dark and embracing it, but not necessarily keeping it as a, as a burden Mm -hmm. for, for us. And also, can I just like delicately emphasize something that I think is pretty incredible that at the time that our Lolos or our ancestors were, were going through things Mm. um, that they could have, they could have made eye contact. Like our Lolos could have seen each other. They could have like 
brushed by each other. They could have spoken. I don't know. Like who knows? But I think, you know, the, the other um, Filipinas that I've either collaborated with, or I've begun interviews with, you know, I've asked um, you, what, what do you think of that possibility? And that you and I are in conversation now, generations later. So cool. I mean, not an accident part of the world, right? Right. You know, like the whole, the whole idea of forced migration. Yes. But also what is at a mysterious level of work that descendants somehow find themselves in conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That is something I've just been very curious about. Yeah. Um, in, yeah. in terms of not just intergenerational sort of, but intergenerational intervention. Um, mm. Is there work that is, that is being done through us um, yeah. that is also bringing us together? I, I think that's a really interesting component of the diaspora um, among yeah. writers and artists and thinkers and activists. Um, why us? You know, like why, yeah. why, how and why are we brought together in particular ways that we create together? We, we create podcasts together. We find ourselves tripping over similar things. Um, yeah. And I don't regard that within anything except wonderment. I think it's, yeah. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it's all the, I, I, this is, and this is my personal view on it is that there is a, a larger design at play. Like there is a divine design at play. And I feel that to answer your question of, you know, what does it mean for us to find each other and be in conversation? It's, it's the design to break the cycles of trauma for one, like at the, at the human three-dimensional level, but at the spiritual, like what they call 5d, the fifth dimension, I, I believe, and this is, you know, some, some spiritual teachings, um, from various schools, um, is that we as spirit souls travel in pods. And so that we are interacting with similar, if not the same spirit souls with each incarnation of life. We may not remember it, but we are in collaboration with each other and help each other grow and evolve. And when that contact is made and that lesson is, has come to fruition, whatever it looks like, then we move on. Then we, you know, move to the next stage or we move to when I say move on, it could be, we die, or we could mean we move into a different community, mm-hmm. you know, physically, or it could be, we just lose touch, you know, in terms of like conversations or whatever. But when our, our, our things, our conversations, the work that we're meant to do together is completed, then things, the puzzle pieces shift again, hmm. because, you know, how, how is it that you and I, have connected with each other over these years, but yet the people that you're connected with, I'm not necessarily connected with, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, we met in Vona, correct? We met at AWP. (laughs) Do we meet at AWP? Yeah. We were at the mama panel. At that mom. Oh, yes. And you sat next to me. Yes. 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 All those years ago. I don't remember what year that was. It was forever ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I knew it had something to do with writing. Yeah. 
but that was the only like literally our paths crossed like to yeah two chairs next to each other yeah yeah it wasn't like we had a mutual friend it was like mm-hmm. we went to the same panel and you had a chair open and you looked friendly you were already sitting there I was like oh she's a mom she looks Filipina I'm gonna go sit next to her <laughs> in the sea of white women <laughs> I'm so glad you did oh my goodness no, I was like girl what's going on here <laughs> What panel did I walk in on? I know it. I know it. I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. All too well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's my take on how, at least that's how I view the people who come in and out of my life. Because there, there are people who, you know, like I'm friends with for, like, I have one friend who I was friends with for like 13 years. And then suddenly she left my life. And that was like a big mm-hmm. break. It felt like a breakup you know? And I was like, Oh my God, like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Mm -hmm. But then I was like, well, I guess maybe we completed whatever we were needing to work on. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe she'll come back in my life at some point. I have no idea. Yeah. I hear that. I, I used to, I used to really struggle over people coming and going in life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's my, you know, my personal issue with mortality or if it's, I used to have a preoccupation with whether or not I hurt somebody. And if mm. if someone left my life, then I was like, let me first apologize for whatever it is that I might have done to run you off. And um, sometimes it is something as simple, but mysterious as, um, you know, our, our, our time for our paths being so close together is over and we're, we're moving in different directions and there's, there's nothing to mourn and um, there's nothing to be sorry over. There's nothing to apologize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, and I think that I learned, um, and this is recent, like past four or five years, really, uh, to just trust that. And yeah. I'm still yeah. getting, you know, I'm still getting better at it. I'm not hundred percent there, but the more that I improve that particular muscle of letting go um, and trusting, you know, I'm sure they're okay. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. And they're angry. It is up to them to, to let me know that. Um, yeah. I, I feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like a lot freer and that relationships are less about getting them right as much as they are enjoying and learning and growing with people. And sometimes yeah. growth is, it is a term or a season. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. a season of, of closeness, and then there's a season of moving on. Yeah, yeah, or a season of hibernation, and then like mm-hmm. rebirth. You know. Yeah. But um, whew, oh mm-hmm. man, so Take many things. So yeah, I'm like something. I need to get some water. All, all kinds <laughs> of things. Woo, man, who knew we were gonna go so deep? It started with love, and it's like, what is love? <laughs> what? What are we talking about? <laughs> It's a generational abundance and trauma. What? Yeah. Oh my okay. gosh. So good. That was great. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because I, I'm thinking about like where we as, as Filipinas have come from this generationally, right? We we've come from 500 years of Spanish colonization, right? So the Catholic mindset is beaten into us, you know, mm. not just us, but our are are like what ancestors for 500 years and and so I know for myself I've been very curious of exploring the pre-hispanic practices of the indigenous peoples mm-hmm. um 
And so I'm thinking about like, what is, what is that curiosity? Where does that come from? Is it the, is it the dissatisfaction with doctrine and, and like the Catholic church being what it is, which you and I know is like, not cool. (laughs) love Jesus. Right. But don't like the people who run the church. Um, yeah. yeah, Is that, that dissatisfaction with this institution driving us to say, Hey, let's see what's further back, you Mm -hmm. know, or are we, or is it something calling within our bones, within our genes to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, come home to this, come, come see your origins. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I have like deep, deep questions around this. Mm-hmm. And I am going to preface what I'm going to say with, I truly don't know. I truly don't have a definitive answer, but I have potential landing sites yeah, <laughs> that I've been okay. outlining in my head um, of how I want to think about this. And then the struggles that I have around it. Mm-hmm. So one, one is I like, I, I, I can't even put like a, a number on it because it's not a numerical, um, you know, measure, but like a hundred percent, I agree with that. Like mm-hmm. there is something um, beyond um, sensory, you know, that I have felt a deep sense of return. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't even know if that's like really the the proper word, um, but there's, there's a deepening um, when I, when I study, when I study colonization, particularly the role that Christianity and Catholicism had in it, um, there's something that's beyond language that for me, it just deeply, deeply understands something that was lost. And Mm -hmm. I can't put that into language. Um, so there's, there's this deep, I don't even know, extrasensory understanding of pure emotion of pure memory that's mm-hmm. like not about molecular memory, but beyond that, like I, yeah. I believe that, but yeah. then there's also just this questioning, which might come from the kind of the Western, um, you know, practice that I have over intellectualizing something so that I can have logic and reasoning to hold on to Yeah, is yeah. that um, I hesitate now in my practice. I'm like, what does this mean to to look at Catholicism, the faith that I was given, the faith that I was raised in, that also brought me to this point. Mm. And I have not yet been able to hold all of that. I'm juggling it, but I can't yeah. say that I'm holding it well. Mm-hmm. Because there's like a deep, a deep call for me to be authentic in whatever it is that I'm communicating, wrestling, struggling with, and to find language for that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't there, like, you know, in, in the sense of like, I, that all of this happened before I was born. I yeah. do feel that I am a descendant of this. I mm-hmm. am in the lineage of all of this, right? Yes, right. I right. claim all of that. But also, like, I, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what my place is in, um, in my reclamation. I don't yet fully comprehend how I can claim the pre-colonial practices and spiritual thought that I do feel I want to explore and the fact 
that it was in the colonization of the Philippines with Christianity, with the violence of dogma and stripping people of their memory and their their dignity and their their faith and their spiritual traditions, that out of that, I was born, that you can be born of two things. And that is currently where I'm wrestling of, I literally don't have words. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, 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 I get it. But what if we layered on top of that, what we talked about with genetic inheritance, Mm. you know, thinking Mm -hmm. about, yes, like in your genes, if we could do a time machine, like, and when I say time machine, I don't mean like the hot tub time machine. I mean, like the MacBook time machine, you know, how you can like look at all the versions of your computer. Yes. Like if we took your, like one of your genes, my genes, anybody's genes, and we could do that time, that Apple time machine thing and went all the way, 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 way to pre-Hispanic times and then track the evolution of that genetic makeup that brings us to you, I feel like you would see both. You would see both the practices of the Babylon, the priestesses, mm-hmm. the shamans of the indigenous peoples, the, the violence that they experienced in the stripping away of those traditions and the, the sort of infusion of the Catholic beliefs and processes over time. And I'm sort of imagining it like layers now. Like I was like doing the the Apple time machine thing where it's like all these <laughs> files, but now all of a sudden I'm like, it's like layers of sediment, you yes. know? Yes. That's what I see it as. And so mm. can you see yourself as the whole of those layers of sediment? So layers of sediment of a mountain and you are the whole entire mountain. Mm. I think that that's where my landing is right now. I mean, that's, mm. I think what enables me to write um, from a place of curiosity rather than suffering. You know, yeah. I don't believe that I'm a colonized self. I believe my lineage was colonized. I believe that I struggle. I continue to struggle, but the strength and the abundance and the gifts and all of that um, is also there. Yeah. And I try to write out of the the holding of both. Um but again, I'll, I'll just be transparent. I think that there, I'm still working through this. There, there is still a part of me that I'm trying to, I'm trying to organize it in my head somehow. I'm trying to make sense of it. I'm trying to explain that to my children. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to create a practice for myself. What does that mean? Do I go to church or not? Do I, yes. uh, <laughs> right. do I learn right. Tagalog, you know, or not? Right. Do, I, right. do I accept myself as this monolingual quasi speak more Spanish than Tagalog, but I know some Tagalog and right. throwing just like, you know, like I'm, I'm so messy. Right. Right. That's <laughs> so okay. like, that's yeah, awesome. exactly. Like, and that's where, like, that is where I want to be like, truly like, humor like that is like yeah. my home it's yeah. if you have to laugh at how like absurd this yeah. is me talking to myself like you are yeah. absurd yeah, you yeah, are yeah, an absurd yeah. human being yeah and that yeah. is like the way that it's all acceptable like right 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 you know totally. like you have to laugh and I don't mean laugh as in minimize or 
laugh is and not recognize, but no. just like, holy moly, this is so right. much. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the, well, here's, here's the thing. The, the, the messages we are fed is that to be human is to be organized, which is a load of crap. You know, it's like every human being is messy. It's just that there are people who hide it better than others. Right. And, but what's Amen. the point of hiding it? What's the point of hiding it? You're, you're just like living in a corset. You know what I mean? Like, what kind mm-hmm. of life is that? So just be messy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you bring all these questions up of, of like the sort of, I mean, quote unquote, practical issues of, you mm-hmm. know, like raising kids in the diaspora. You're like, do I, do I go to church? Like, cause I'm, I'm sort of in that same situation where for a while there, I was like, this is a great practice for my kids to like have some foundation of spirituality. And mm-hmm. at the time I was like, okay, I can choose the Catholicism I want to practice. But as of late, it's gotten a little more messy where I'm just like, don't think I can keep faking it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I was faking it, but there was a level of, of, you know, just some stuff happening at my local church that I was like, I can't subject my kids to this. Yeah. Um, and so because I have lost the the devotion to going to church every day. Cause for me, it was like a private spiritual practice. Like, yeah, I would go to church, but I had my own like interior experience of mass. Mm-hmm. And since then it's, it's evolved into like now mass is like back to like grade school where you're like, Oh, I gotta go to church, you know? And my kids pick up on that. So I'm like, am I gonna force them to go to church? Like, you know, so I'm in that same space of questioning. Also, like my middle kid wants to learn Tagalog. She's like, mommy, I want to learn Tagalog. And I was like, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, but, but, you know, but it's about the mess of, of humanity and being in this body and just Mm. exploring and, and evolving and, whatever that looks like is how it's going to look, you know? Mm-hmm. And we got to be, we got to be cool with that. We just be like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I chose now this is my belief, but spirit soul cho- chose to come down and be born on this planet, in this body, in this 2021 era. So what am I supposed to be learning right now? Mm-hmm. And I don't like to say supposed to be, but you know, what are the lessons that are, that are being presented to me? that I can What's the divine assignment <laughs> yeah exactly and then and if I don't know I just know that the the thing will keep coming at me beating on my head until I finally <laughs> do yeah. something about it I hear that I that what you just <laughs> said I think that that is what 2021 was for me like mm-hmm. certain things came home and they weren't new yeah but they got through yeah, and yeah. I feel that, <laughs> you know, it's like have, beaded in the ground. Yeah, it? it was like, I don't know, like the same meteor circling the earth for a while. <laughs> like it, it just keeps coming around. There it is again. I'm just, and, but in 2021, it landed. I got it. And it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of coming home to myself of just mm, like mm. hard, hard lessons around yeah getting to um the interior of the interior of like my beliefs around the church what is it that I truly believe like how do I want to embody um what I truly believe like enough performance enough of the of the facades just enough like yeah yeah how do you 
and it wasn't, you know, like this grand thing, like I'm going to live out loud. It wasn't like a meme. <laughs> and it wasn't that I've been inauthentic. I've always been authentic. I've always yeah. been in my own agency. Always. Yeah. yeah. But there is just, there are some times where it just comes home. <laughs> it, it comes home through your body and, and yeah that was 2021 like I really yeah. I really heard um what the assignment was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah oh geez yeah yeah loud and clear got it yeah got I got gotcha. you okay. I got gotcha you yep. this okay. time <laughs> yeah you landed I got gotcha. you but I think it's important that you that you mentioned the body because I feel like that is the main for me anyway like mode of communication you know, it's like, it's like, Ooh, not feeling that my heart like feels a little tight or, or I feel like, you know, when you get, you get stress and that's that, that weird sort of tingly feeling. Yep. And it's just like that kind of feeling yep. like, Oh yeah, no, we don't want to do that. You know, your body's talking all the freaking time, all the time. And I feel all like because we live in the world that we live in, with this constant barrage of information and media and stuff that we have been put into a trance of, of not listening to our bodies. Mm. It's like, Oh, Oh, my hip hurts. Let me go see the doctor and get some medication for that. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't, I can't see. Let me, let me go. Let me go to the eye doctor. Bad metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm just thinking about my own vision right now. I'm like, old eye old lady eyes are coming through right now I'm like oh yeah I kind of have to go see the eye doctor <laughs> my, my my body is sending me a message like girl you need to see with with something else besides your eyeballs yeah 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 the, the body is full of of different micro conversations and I think that um you know we go through seasons of how good of a listener we really are um yeah Mm-hmm. And sometimes we narrate um, the conversation for our body and we listen to that very um, manufactured narration, which is reliant upon medicine and mm-hmm. diagnostics. Um, and Let me go to WebMD. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and don't get me wrong. I, I have definitely been a beneficiary of Western medicine and mm-hmm. all different forms of traditional therapies. So yeah, yes. If, if that brings you to yourself and a sense of wellness and balance and closer to your body so that you are a great listener of your body, absolutely. But, um, very easily, very easily. Can you become more consumed by listening to everything but your body? Yes. Yeah. And, um, I think anxiety is a perfect, <laughs> a perfect illustration of it. I think the last time, um, that I was on your podcast, like, I think that was during 2020, that was like the height of, um, I think everybody's anxiety, but I can only speak to mine. Like it was, it was manifesting in my, in my body in so many ways. And I wasn't aware. I, I was not aware that these were conversations that had to be opened up, not shut down. Mm. Um, And I think that that was a misconception that I had about my own body, Mm. that anxiety was something to quell Mm. rather than listen to. And that it would eventually for me leave on its own. If I learned how to listen to it and learn how to really get to the root of fear, uncertainty, Mm -hmm. um, 
and that there was a deeper treatment than just quelling it. Yes. 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 And I, and I am in agreement with you that anxiety is your body talking to you in the midst of fear and uncertainty and change, like huge change. Mm -hmm. And I, and I see that a lot with the younger generation, you know, um, and I don't, I don't want to (laughs) prescribe anything, you know, because it's, it's a very slippery slope for, um, for, for just people understanding like what anxiety is, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I I might have like Western doctors coming after me, like, you don't know anything, blah, 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 you know? And then other people be like, well, you know, yoga isn't everything. So I'm just saying, just putting it out there that anxiety is a message. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, and it really is about, about listening, like deep listening, not making up stuff, not trying to justify stuff to just, and to not blame too. That's the other thing, right? It's to, Mm -hmm. it's to just really open the ears a bit more and, and say, okay, why is, why is my body responding in this way? You know? And, and if it's fear, what am I afraid of? And if I'm afraid of that, where did that, where did I learn that? You Mm -hmm. know, it's these levels of questions that um, you keep asking that go deeper and deeper. I would say it was, anxiety that was the the biggest helper Mm. in helping me understand um 2020 and in helping me understand what I was most deeply afraid of Mm. um I think a lot of things surfaced for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways through COVID and um you know all of the different crises and all the grief um, and the grief inside the grief, you know, that there are all these, there's so much loss yeah. um, and difficulty. And I think that there are a lot of ways to get through it, but I wanted to not just get through it. I really wanted to understand um, why my body was just, I felt like an alarm. It was going off every night. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and it really was about learning to be in a relationship with myself again. Um, mm. And I don't want to romanticize because it was very painful and very difficult. And it, I went through many iterations and stages of treatment and um, figuring out how to manage it. But um, it certainly was because of the support that I had to be able to go into it rather than around it that I was really able to unearth um, some deep seated, long held, probably like lifelong fears Mm. that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And this sounds weird to say, but it was, I'm not thankful for anxiety, but it was because of it that I was able to finally find them. Well, you were maybe thankful for its teachings. I'm thankful for its teachings and I'm thankful that I was supported through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think support's a big big part of that, you know, because for folks to go in deep like that on their own is, oof. It's, Mm -mm. I don't even know if I'd recommend it if you don't have support. I I don't know if I would recommend it either. I I don't want to overstate it, but it can be dangerous. It it can be really easy to lose yourself inside when you're asking very deep questions about Mm -hmm. your existence, your worth, your trauma, your sadness, your grief, 
um, you, I had multiple, multiple sources of support. Um, and I knew that because my background was in mental health. I knew I needed that level of guidance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am grateful. Mm. Very grateful. So good. I'm grateful you're here. I'm grateful too. Oh my goodness. Oh, all these good things. Like, okay, listeners, like y'all <laughs> going to have to listen to it like three times to get all the layers <laughs> because we just dropped a whole bunch of stuff that probably I don't even know what we said. <laughs> Just like, what are we talking about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I mean, I might have to listen to it a few times and take notes. I'm like, what did I just say? Right. Right. I know. Sometimes I'm like, wait, what happened? Yeah. I just know whatever we said was good. (laughs) I know. I know it was helpful. And we laughed some. So yeah, it's good. (laughs) Oh, my friend, this is such a rich conversation and I really appreciate you taking time from your schedule to share it with me because I feel like conversations around lineage, around ancestral um, inheritances, um, particularly in the diaspora, are so needed, you know, because we hear a lot of narratives from, you know, different communities, but maybe again, it's my, maybe it's my limited scope. Maybe my, my reach, my view isn't as broad, but I feel that the, the conversations in the diaspora are not getting enough amplified enough. And so here's, here's hoping that our, our podcast episode launches into the stratosphere. (laughs) So thank you for this. This was so important. And, um, and I also had fun, which is key. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for holding this space and for just creating this conversation. Thank you for that intention. Yes. Now for our poem to close our episode. So are you going to do the roulette of poems? We're going to do an Oracle poem. Yeah. So literally just open the book and see. Yeah. Just kind of like just flip through and she's taking for the listeners. She's taking a poem from the world. I leave you my favorite anthology. And let's hear what comes forward. Okay. All right. I have come to a poem by Jennifer Kwan Dobbs. Mm. The title is Elegy for a Song Between. Mm. Mm. I know. I know. (laughs) I just like... (laughs) gonna pause because we're gonna acknowledge that title i'm just gonna like feel that title for like Mm -hmm. 10 seconds yeah elegy for a song between and underneath that there is an italics it looks like names that i'm gonna say out loud this looks important kim sang pill slash philip clay 1974 to 2017 Mm. I didn't know you, so I cradled the sound between Philip Sangpil, friend of horses, fortune writing, a song between Phil, Pill, swayed a brass bell, chime inside your ghost's chamber. I'm guessing a wild stampede, the gray ghost ripple of their dappled muscles, you brave and alone 
offered stolen bicycles to their power, wounding the ground. Whatever stood between them, their hooves pummeled back to a root web. No, that's glib for the unknown handiwork that scarred my older brother before orphaning him to the angel's ledgers. The math that took him renamed him. The math that removed him renamed him again. No citizen, illegible, the angel's coveted paper. He used all of our ink to print his weird books, Holt's daughter said at his funeral, as birth files faded, locked in moving bookcases. Joan, you tried decades to retrieve yours. How many pills did I steal, then swallow as your sister trapped in Oklahoma? Who knows the flowers' names the Koreans prefer to blanket heaven's threshold? Oh, man. That last image. Oh, Oh, this anthology, man. Every time, these poems. I'm always like... Wow. Yeah. Wow. I have no words. Just got to digest that. Jennifer Quan Dobbs. Mm. Elegy for a song between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm. Oh, well, thank you, my friend, again, for sharing your time, for reading the poem to close it out. Um, and I hope that our listeners can think of some of these layers that we talked about and ask these questions of themselves as well to see what kind of, what might unfold. Um, as we always do, we will close our episode with a little namaste. So the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. <laughs> you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade grab my free seven-day meditative challenge spark joy in chaos by signing up for my newsletter which will be more light to your inbox go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe